listening to the doctrinal cassette series of The Church of God, Seventh Day, produced by the Media Outreach Agency. This doctrinal study tape is entitled The Kingdom of Heaven, and our speaker is Elder Ray Straub. The word heaven brings to mind pleasant and wistful thoughts. For those who are worthy, heaven is thought of as a place of future bliss. There will be no more darkness or hurt. Disappointment and dying will be in the past. We'll be with God, and forever we'll enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. The location of heaven is not known. God is there, as is Jesus, along with all the saints who have passed on to be at home with Jesus. The preacher hopes everyone at least wants to go there. Parents want their children to want to go there. The good seek to go there. To many, heaven is a goal worth going after, no matter what the cost. These are wholesome thoughts. All of society is benefited by the discipline of those who believe in being good enough to be rewarded. Thinking about heaven has some practical value. However, what about its theological accuracy? One presumes that hopes of going to heaven is a prominent topic in the Bible. Is it? Does the Bible give basis for the belief that the worthy will find their reward in heaven? Where will the eternal inheritance of the saints be? This subject is important. We want to reflect the Bible accurately when thinking about the reward for God's people. We want to know as much as we can concerning that which awaits the redeemed. A clarification needs to be made right at the beginning of this study. Our discussion focuses on the location where the saints will receive their reward. This will not be a comment on the quality of the prize which awaits the faithful. Probably, some fear that if God's children do not end up in heaven, they will not be as well rewarded. Some may feel, if I won't go to heaven, I don't want to go anywhere. It won't be as worthwhile. This suggests that nothing can substitute adequately for the contemplated reward in a faraway place of heavenly bliss. Apprehensions of this nature only confuse the issue. There is no valid basis for believing in rewards at all outside of the information given in the Bible. Human fantasies cannot supply an accurate description of the coming utopia. Only God has the resources to make it real. In other words, man cannot fancy an eternal reward then make it come true. Truth is what is. What the Bible teaches is what is. We'll examine some passages from the Bible which teach us about the afterlife. They're inspiring. They give us much reason to hope fervently. They also put us in tune with what God has in mind for the future of His family. It's good to begin our study by noting some basic biblical concepts which are easy to understand. They give us a basis upon which to build our teachings. Good foundations should enable us to build sound doctrines. We begin our study by referring to one of the Psalms. The 37th describes the hopes and dreams of those who serve God. It also gives contrasting descriptions of what happens to those who do not serve God. 
This psalm recites the fate of sinners and the reward of the just. Since our study has to do with rewards, we will refer to lyrics in the song which allow us to preview what the saints may anticipate. Verse 11 of Psalms 37 says, But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Verse 22, For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Verse 29, The righteous shall inherit the land, and dwell therein forever. Verse 34, Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Nothing confirms the truth of this song's lyrics more precisely than the expression of happiness Jesus gave. His beatitude says simply, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. Jesus and the 37th Psalm are in complete agreement. Some have paraphrased this verse to read that the earth belongs to the meek. Possessing the earth is a present source of happiness to the meek. This interpretation is found wanting. The earth does not belong to the meek now, but someday in the future it will. It now belongs to the aggressive, the go-getter, the energetic, the ambitious, the persistent, the man who knows what he wants and goes after it. The earth is promised to the meek as an inheritance, not as a possession they are unaware of. Now they are disenfranchised. They are content to be passive. Their material gains are either non-existent or unnoticed. The earth is not the domain of the humble, but the meek will inherit it. This development belongs to the future. The prophet gives insight into how this will take place. Daniel, chapter 2, gives a description of a mysterious dream of Babylon's King Nebuchadnezzar. In this dream, the king saw a metallic image. The head was gold, the breast and arms were silver, the belly and thighs were brass, the legs iron, and the feet were part iron and part clay. A stone cut out of the mountain without hands crashed against the feet of the image, causing the entire structure to break into pieces. A wind came and carried away the rubble. The stone which hit the image became a great mountain and filled the entire earth. This dream is given in Daniel 2, 31-35. Thankfully, the interpretation of this dream is provided in the passage immediately following. The metals represent four world kingdoms from Babylon through Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Iron and clay will not stick to each other. This means there will be no world government following Rome. The stone, formed without hands, which became a mountain and filled the earth, represents a kingdom from heaven. And in the days of these kings, referring to those which exist in the iron and clay era, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Daniel 2.44 This future kingdom is one that God will set up. It will never be destroyed. This will be the one which the meek will inherit. 
we look at other prophets for similar predictions. Isaiah 2.2 reads, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. Some clarification of the symbolism will be helpful here. In this context, a mountain is a kingdom. Hills, then, would refer to smaller sovereignties. The word house refers to a household or family. A very large household or family would constitute a nation. Let's apply this symbolism to the passage in Isaiah 2 so that we may understand its message. We substitute the real meaning for the symbol. I paraphrase, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the kingdom of the Lord's family will be established among but superior to the kingdoms, referring to the kingdoms of this world extant at Jesus' return, be superior to the kingdoms and be exalted above sovereignties, large or small, and to all nations that will flow into it. Verse 3, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the kingdom of the Lord, to the household or family of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. I included verse 4 with no change in wording. This same message, with nearly identical wording, may be found in Micah 4, 1 through 4. Both of the prophecies speak of a coming kingdom which comes from God. It will be established here on earth, and it will assimilate existing kingdoms of the earth. The New Testament also speaks of a time when the earth will be made new. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, preached Peter at the temple in Jerusalem that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Acts 3, 19-21. Jesus ascended to heaven ten days before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The advent of the Spirit brought times of refreshing. Refreshing in this usage also means recovery. This indicates that the second Adam, our Lord Jesus, serves in heaven as our mediator, recovering what was lost through the first Adam. The salvation and redemption of mankind goes on until Jesus returns to earth. When he comes, the times of restitution will begin. In Matthew 19, 28, Jesus called this a time of regeneration. The verse reads, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. The restitution, or regeneration of the earth, 
will be presided over by King Jesus when he returns to establish his kingdom here on earth. Part of what will take place is described in Isaiah 65:17, which begins by quoting God as saying, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former will not be remembered nor come into mind. He continues his description of the new by stating that Jerusalem will become a source of rejoicing. Those who build houses will live in them. Those planting will eat of their own fruit. Long life will be typical. There will be no violence among animals. And God will be so near that he will hear before a request can be spoken. All of this is what the meek will inherit. Jesus will reign from the throne of his forefather, King David. Reading from Acts 2, 29-32. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. Both the psalm and the beatitude by Jesus indicate that the meek will inherit the earth. The prophecies foretell a time when a kingdom established by God will be placed here on the earth. It will be a time of peace and joy, an atmosphere which harmonizes perfectly with the mental and emotional posture of the meek. Side one of our study, The Kingdom of Heaven. This study will continue on side two. When will these future glories take place? Paul counsels Timothy to preach the word. 2 Timothy 4.2. The advice is given with a sense of urgency in the previous verse. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, those who are alive, and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. This judgment is instantaneous. It takes place as the Lord descends to earth at his second coming. He writes to the Thessalonians in chapter 4.13 of his first letter. That's 1 Thessalonians 4.13 and forward. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Having given reassurance that the saints who have died will be part of the resurrection and return of Jesus, Paul continues in verse 15 to give the sequence of events 
which take place at Jesus' return and judgment. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, or go before, precede, those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So far, we have learned that Jesus' coming will identify and separate the righteous from the wicked. The living righteous will be changed to immortality, and the righteous dead will resurrect with a new immortal body. All of the righteous will meet the Lord in the air, and they will remain with him. No information has been given indicating where the returned Lord and the host of the immortalized saints will be. For information on the destination of the coming king with his saints, we turn to Zechariah 14, verses 4 and 5. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. King Jesus and his immortalized subjects will not arrive to peaceful conditions in Jerusalem, but he is a mighty warrior and will demonstrate his ability to subdue the nations. It will put an end to battles for the full 1,000 years he will reign on this earth. Jerusalem will be safely inhabited. Verse 11 of Zechariah 14. Jesus will reign as king on David's throne until every enemy of God and his household has been defeated. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son of Man also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. 1 Corinthians 15, 25-28 We anticipate the return of Jesus, who will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. Just before his ascension, Jesus' disciples asked him, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Jesus' reply was, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Acts 1, 6 and 7 there is no problem understanding that the disciples knew that Jesus would be the one who would establish the new kingdom. Similarly, they presumed that this new kingdom would be established on the earth, a restoration of the kingdom to Israel. 
Jesus took no issue with that either, not with any of these inferences. He allowed them to stand. He pointed out only that the time such a kingdom would be established was unknown. What they presumed was not questioned. The specific information they sought was not available. The Hebrews sang of a time when the righteous would inherit the earth. Jesus declared that the meek could be happy because the earth would one day be their inheritance. The prophets, Daniel, Isaiah, and Micah, foretold of a kingdom whose source was the God of heaven. It would come to earth. It would assume a place of prominence among and above all other kingdoms of the earth. The New Testament speaks of restoration. Romans 8, 17 to 25, speaks of a creation which awaits the redemption of mankind because it also will experience glorification. Jesus will rule from the throne of his forefather David. As Jesus returns to assume this rule, all the family of God, alive or dead, will receive immortal bodies. They will meet the Lord in the air, move on to Jerusalem to descend at that capital city. It will be a time and a place of great rejoicing. Jesus will reign until every enemy of God and humankind will be defeated. What an inheritance the righteous have. Even the meek can be happy over such prospects. The glory of the Lord will cover the entire earth. concludes our doctrinal study entitled The Kingdom of Heaven. The doctrinal cassette series of The Church of God Seventh Day is a presentation of the Media Outreach Agency.